Hey guys, I'm Nat. And I'm Ashton. And we are the Nerds in Flannel. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 7. Episode, episode 7, wow. You know, it's almost like we started this a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> almost, eh? Almost, yeah. No, over a week. Yeah. It's been nine days. We started on a Wednesday and today, as we're filming, is a Friday. Oh. Oh yeah, it is a Friday. <laughs> Dude, I don't man, I don't know what day it is I anymore. I only know that just because I had a class today. Yeah, true. Okay, guys, welcome back. We are talking. What are we talking about today, Ashton? Tell them. What are we talking about? We are talking about a movie that we only saw last night, so it's still pretty fresh in our heads. It's a movie nominated for I think it's three Oscars. Three Oscars. Three Oscars. It's called Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza. I know that sounds terrible. Like title alone, I'm like. Nah, <laughs> nah, bro, that ain't it, Chief. Yeah, but um, we watched the trailer, and I'm like, I have to go see this movie <laughs> because it looked like something like I would enjoy, and you know, I just love movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. We saw the trailer, and it looked for once. It kind of looks like a fun little creative sort of like movie. Kind of more of, I mean, I think it's based off of, like, certain characters in real life, but uh, not everything's 100% accurate, and it's yeah. still more or less an original story. So it kind of felt refreshing um, to see something like this, especially with it being, like, still pretty new. Yeah, it just came out, like, a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, got a lot of um, buzz at, like, film festivals. I think it got a lot of buzz at Cannes and uh, maybe Toronto. I know, yeah, I know it got a bunch of like accolades at cans but yeah that's what i know um yeah uh, nominated for three oscars as we said already and i think this movie is probably the most the most well shot movie i've seen like in a long time which is crazy because it wasn't even nominated for like a best cinematography award it honestly got robbed it got robbed like well, well we, okay so context we went last night like 10 o'clock at night and uh we were the only ones in the theater. <laughs> that was awesome. Just just the two of us. And like we were like yelling at the screen <laughs> because we see like every single shot's like dang or like sheesh. And it was dude, this is yeah, it's a really good looking movie. Yeah. Um I don't have anything to say bad about the cinematography. Oh. Maybe I'm a little biased because I just saw it last night. Yeah. But honestly, I think this movie deserves a lot more than it's gotten. Yep. Um, but just having us two in the theater is not good enough, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, we enjoyed at least, it. <laughs> at least one more person. Yeah, yeah. At least. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, we did see a late night showing, but also we saw a late night showing of Spider-Man No Way Home a couple, or like last week. And there were yeah. still, there were still people in the theater. Like, not a lot, but there still were. Actually, there were two other people in the theater yeah. <laughs> for Spider-Man. Yeah, but like even, even having a little more recognition for this movie would have been kind of cool. Yeah, honestly, I'll go again just to boost the numbers. <laughs> Stimulate the economy, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lucas Pizza is kind of like a growing um, like growing of age movie. Yeah. Uh, it's about these two... I, I'm going to call them a couple. I'm going to call them a couple. It's a couple that like their age difference is kind of weird. Uh, the girl is, what, 25? 25, yeah. She's 25, and the boy is 15. Which is, what, what on paper, that's like, maybe not. <laughs> but, um, no, the way this is, the, the way the screenplay is, the way that the dialogue is delivered, 
it really makes it kind of cute. I know, okay, wrong word. What, what <laughs> word would you use? I yeah, I guess the way I'd put it, if you suppress your moral compass a little bit, it's genuine. Real, genuine. It's a really genuine. Yeah, there it is. It's, it's really genuine in how it's kind of told and presented. Because, to be fair, it's not really... It's slightly like a, um, like... Oh, what's the word? It's like... It's kind of a romantic relationship, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like friendship. And I think that that works really well because of the age difference. Yeah. Uh, so, it's about two characters. One name is Gary and one name is Alana. Uh Gary is played by Cooper Hoffman, who, if you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. And Philip Seymour Hoffman has been in a lot of things. What, what has he been? He's been in... Uh, he, he was in Hunger Games. Hunger Games yep. as, I don't, uh, the top well, guy. Yeah, and the first one, one of the uh, game makers. Yeah, uh, he also... He, oh, my gosh. Why can't I... <laughs> why... <laughs> Why can't I think of anything? Because we went to see this movie pretty late. <laughs> oh, oh, there he is. There he is. Yeah, he passed away uh, a few years ago. Um, in, yeah, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, yeah, he was in Capote, The Masters, like you said, again, The Hunger Games, Mission Impossible, Moneyball. Ooh, Moneyball. I love that movie. Boogie Nights. Yeah, he's been in a lot of, like, <coughs> he's a really good actor. He's been, he's more of, like, a character actor. So he has specific roles, and he doesn't really have like like big roles in a lot of movies. But one movie, like I think, is his greatest movie is uh, Synecdoche. Okay, I can never say Synecdoche, New York. It's like about this man going through a mental illness, and it's it's perfect. It's great. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it if you can. It came out in two thousand two thousand eight. Yes, yes, and. Yeah, so Cooper Hoffman, that's his son, plays Gary, and Alana, who is the 25-year-old girl, is played by Alana Haim. I want to say Haim. Would you say Haim? I would say Haim. Yeah, and, you know, these two actors and actress, are they're, they're fairly unknown. Yeah. And after this movie, they're gonna, their names are going to be on billboards and... They're going to get a lot more roles. Hopefully, yeah. They did a really good job. Probably one of them is going to go to the MCU. <laughs> Everyone's going to the MCU now. Yeah. All right, Ashton, I, I know we talked about it a little bit, but what were your initial thoughts? But like, expectations? Yeah, so, again, like, we only really saw the trailer, and then we're like, hey, we should go see this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and that's what we did. So I didn't actually have a lot of context on it. Um, but from that first shot where, you know... I guess, like, we have to put out a spoiler warning as well. Yeah, spoiler. Why, why would you be listening to this if you weren't expecting spoilers? Come I on. mean, you can watch it without, like, watching the movie. Yeah. I mean, listen to us without watching the movie. Hear the review. But don't recommend it. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's nice to have a conversation going, and it's it's a movie definitely worth seeing. So if you can, see it. Um, but yeah, from that first shot where, um, you know, it's just kind of, like, right off the bat, you kind of get... Cooper and Elena just kind of like walking and Cooper's kind of hitting on her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wonder. Yeah. Ashley, what's a wonder? Explain to the audience what a wonder is. Yeah, it's kind of like a one-shot take. So yes. they there's no cuts in it. So the whole walking scene and everything is like in real time. 
it's a really impressive shot because they have to pace out how long they need that scene to be. Yeah. With all the different complexities and stuff that they're going to add into it. It's about a two minute scene. It's about a two minute scene, but they also have it like it doesn't feel stale because the camera's moving with the characters. Yes. And what they're talking about is pretty much setting up the whole movie. Indeed. And it's the script is written in a way where it's not really boring to listen to either. Yeah. Um, now, when you first kind of hear like their ages... You actually don't get Alana's age until closer to the end of the you scene. Go, oh boy! <laughs> yeah, you go like, oh, oh shoot, what's happening here? Nineteen seventies. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. it was it was based in the nineteen seventies. Yes, that's important. Um, and honestly, I think like uh, the person that plays Alana, her name is also Alana. Um, <laughs> coincidentally, um, she honestly kind of like feels like a high school student at first yeah so she's very young looking. she's very young looking so you want to actually guess that she's 25 like her characters i think in real life she's like 30 in real life she is 30 um but yeah you want to really guess that she her character is 25 because she kind of fits in with all the other kids and like how she carries herself yeah and i think it it's interesting you kind of get like cooper is like a guy he's like a a kid who is super mature for his age yeah. but he's still lacking in those little things to make him like a, an adult um, and then Alana is kind of like this adult who's still a kid in a lot of ways. Um, so you put the two together and you kind of see this pretty great progression. Mm -hmm. And just, again, the way it was shot was probably the most captivating for us. Yeah. It's, there are some shots where I'm like, the Christopher Nolan consult on this movie. Yeah. Because Christopher Nolan movies are known to have really good cinematography. Same with Denny Villeneuve and, oh, dude, I will... We'll, we'll get into our top 10 favorite movies of all time, but I think this made it in. Honestly, <laughs> I think this made it in just because of cinematography, and I, I honestly fell in love with it. I would watch it again tonight if I could. Dang. Spoilers for our top 10 movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nat, what, what do you think kind of stuck out to you, like, right at first, like, your first impressions of it? Hmm. I think it felt very nostalgia. Hmm. Nostalgic. And I know... I'm tainted by the nostalgia bias, but <laughs> I think this movie is just, the way it presents itself, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of movies often uh, get mistaken because, you know, they have this like really like dark subject matter, but they make it really funny. Uh, this movie is mainly about just growing up and relationships and trying to make it in the world and try to like get money. And the way that, it's all set up from the from the very beginning like you know what's gonna happen but like in a good way yeah um they do set up like some things about like the character's back background like how like gary has a brother and anyone it's just <laughs> it's very it's set up very well yeah the screenplay got nominated for an oscar and rightly so because this movie is mostly dialogue yeah. You're not going to get, like, spectacular, like, action scenes or anything like that. But it's just really good to watch and watch the dialogue just take over a scene. Uh, what else stood out to me? What else stood out to me? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the actors. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone in this movie is good. Like, the two leads. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bradley Cooper's in yes, this movie. Yes, he, he was amazing. He made, he makes a very <laughs> uh, like small cameo. He's he's in the movie for maybe what like ten minutes, Something like ten that. fifteen minutes tops. Yeah, he's amazing. On Sean Penn is also in this movie. Yeah, if you don't know Sean Penn, 
He's been in a lot of old movies. He, ah, dang it! Why can I never remember? Sean Penn, Sean Penn. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in a James Bond movie. I'm probably wrong about that. Sean Penn, Sean Penn. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the INDB. He's not on this. Maybe he was just a cameo for it. That's what I was thinking. No, but like, um, all the actors are good. Especially the child actors. Because there's a lot of child actors in this movie. And you would think that child, children can act, but they can, especially in this movie, because they're just playing kids. Yeah. And I think that's, like, what some movies don't do right. They try to make kids act, like, not their own age, and that just falls apart. Yeah, a little bit. And, yeah, I would say also, with it being set in the 70s, like, at least from my understanding of the 70s, um... For kids, things were a lot more laid back, at least more so than they are, like, in our current age, if you compare, like, now to then. Yeah, time. <laughs> Man. Kids were more, like, kids back then and not, like, you know, asking all the world's deepest, toughest questions or trying to start businesses like they are now. Yeah, back then, kids were much more mature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got 15-year-olds starting a business. Yeah. We're 21, we just started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess something else that kind of stuck out to me a little bit with this movie, and I was just looking it up, and I was right, I was right. Um, the way it's shot, again, like, it said... We're going to talk a lot about that. <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that, because that's kind of what we liked more. Actually, maybe before we go any further, it'd be, <clears throat> like, just to kind of set the scene. <clears throat> the movie's called Licorice... Pizza. pizza because um i looked it up online last night uh it's because uh who's the director again uh paul thomas anderson paul pt anderson P paul thomas PTA. anderson PTA. yeah so he, um he kind of set the movie um with this like 70s vibe mm -hmm. and he named it licorice pizza because there's a vinyl store um that was called licorice pizza because the bottom of a vinyl looks like black licorice and like a pizza yeah um now, Obviously. last night, when I right right after I got back home, I was just, like, thinking about the movie, and I texted Nat. I was like, yo, do you think they named it Licorice Pizza? I'm like, you might because, be right, bro. <laughs> because it's about two things that shouldn't go together. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe that's a double meaning. Um, but, yeah, that's to kind of set the scene why it has the name it has. And then the way everything was done, like, the colors... And the costume design and everything, it kind of screams sort of like this 70s, 80s, like, movie. Super high quality. And the reason um, they did that, or the, the way they did that, was they shot it with old school Panavision C-series anamorphic uh, lenses. That's what I said! From the 60s and 70s. Yeah. No. I said that in the theater! <laughs> <laughs> that noticed that right away. And, yeah. Yeah, we're really nerdy. Yeah, we... <laughs> Do they shoot it on anamorphic lens? <laughs> um, yeah, and that was that was such a good call. Like nothing looks weird. There's no one. There's no bad shot. There's no bad <laughs> shot. You could tell like every shot was meticulously planned. And for people that are like more cine nerds, you notice that you appreciate that. And for people that aren't, like, I think it only adds more depth to the story and just makes it a little more memorable. Yeah. Because your brain comes away remembering, like, different or visuals as well as the story. Mm -hmm. um, also, the audio design was pretty good, too. Yeah, the sound design. Um, just little things like background noise, like cars going by. Yep. Um, like, the slamming of a car door. You don't think that would be important in a movie. 
But man, they sounded crisp. They did. <laughs> they sounded so crisp in this movie. Um, yeah, I honestly, I this, I don't really have anything bad to say about this movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little too long. Hmm. It, it does run in uh, two hours and like fourteen minutes. Yeah. I think they could have shaved off maybe like ten minutes. Yeah. Because I think just there was a lot of just like characters going hmm and hum. Um, also, we didn't get answers to a lot of questions we had in the movie. Right. Um, maybe they, there's going to be a sequel. Probably not. But I I don't know because there's this one character in the movie where we're like, who? What does that guy mean? <laughs> and Ashley, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. The guy in the number twelve shirt. There's a guy at the end. He's kind of stalking this political office. Um, uh, that Alana's uh, volunteering at. And he's he's watching like from across the street. He actually comes into like the office for a second and then leaves. Uh, so Alana goes to confront him, and he's just like, "Well, it's a free country. I can be here." Um, and yeah, just crap goes down. Uh, and then you see him in another shot later. Um, he kind of like tailed Alana to this restaurant, mm-hmm. but then after the restaurant scenes, you don't see anything from him. So. Yeah, I haven't seen anything, I mean, from <laughs> from the little research I've, or film breakdowns I've seen uh, since seeing this last night, I haven't actually seen anything as to, like, what, why he was there, what his purpose yeah. was. I, I think he has to represent something, because you don't just throw a character in there in such a well, like, written movie yes. that has no meaning, so there's got to be something. Paul Thomas Anderson is a very deliberate director. There's yeah. any any Everything that he puts on the screen is put on the screen for a reason. Like, there was this one scene where they're, like, going through this, like, convention center. Like, for, like people are selling things. And we saw the Batmobile. Yeah. Like, from the, the 60s. The Admiral West Batmobile. It and was I'm so like, cool. Why did I put that in? And then as they pan into the the convention center with another amazing shot, I was looking for Easter eggs. I didn't find any. But that's the thing with PT films. He just, he wants your eyes to be locked on the screen looking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like really key for a movie like this because you think that a movie like this isn't going to have details. It's not going to have a hidden meaning or anything. But filmmaking so much about the little details. Yeah. Even like the twitch of like a nose or like the the crooked smile of a character, it's very everything that you should do should be deliberate. Yeah, everything that you show the audience should have a purpose on the screen. Hundred percent. Wow, that got deep. Real quick. <laughs> they did that really well with the camera work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Again, this is something that stuck out to us, but just the way they made the shots, they had a lot of different shots that they used. Indeed. Um. But a common theme with them was there was a lot of this sort of like more bokeh effect where like. You kind of have the focus mainly on the main characters, and you see other stuff in the shot, but the thing, but enough of it is blurred out that like your focus stays on those characters. Yeah. And then it'll pan into like whatever whatever's happening in the background if it needs to. If not, it'll go to the next shot, which is usually sort of this like wider shot um, that shows like both of like the co leads together, or maybe it's just a wide view of like um, a setting or something, mm-hmm. and. Just the the way the transitions were smooth, it was it was just fantastic. Yeah, th- uh, <clears throat> we're gonna talk a little, uh, a little bit more about this later, but um, this movie is very technical. Yeah. Um, and the way that it's presented to you, it's done very old fashioned, like you said, with the uh, with the <laughs> anamorphic lens, because 
in this type of storytelling, everything should be it, everything's focused on one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's all about what does this character want? What is this character like thinking? And one shot, um, Alana, the, the the female character, she is getting news, and as she's getting news, the lens, her vision of the other characters is getting more blurry and more blurrier and blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. Mm-hmm. And I, I told that, I, I said that to Ashton in the theather and I'm like, dang, bro, <laughs> either we're really nerdy or that's just really like, really like stood out to, to us. Because, I think we're just pretty nerdy. <laughs> yeah, we, how about we meet in the middle? We'll, sure. we'll meet in the middle. Sure. And man, like this movie's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this probably won't be as long as our other episodes because, you know, we just watched it. We don't have much to talk about <laughs> it. We'll, 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 maybe we'll revisit it sometime. I don't know. Yeah. This, this movie is just really good. Um, Ashton, anything else? Yeah. Um, maybe quickly we can touch a little bit more on the controversy. Because, like, again, as Nat said, the movie kind of focuses more on friendship. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of comparisons with this movie and, like, Cuties and just some other weird and Boogie stuff. Night. Boogie and... Nights. Boogie um, Nights, also directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Not a film I would watch with your... Um, family <laughs> Fair it is enough. it is rated r this movie is rated r yeah. and so is boogie nights but boogie nights is a r rating in the 70s so do with that what you will <laughs> yeah and yeah like again set in the 70s and um like things were different then uh but i think like personally one thing i would have changed about the movie i could i can understand like maybe if like cooper was like if you wanted to make it more romance oriented if Cooper was, like, more 17 or 18 and Elena was, like, 22 or something, then that's a, you, you can get away with that yeah. a little bit easier. But just kind of, like, putting in, like, this big old 10-age year gap. And the movie isn't really about the relationship. Like, at least not how I interpreted it. Yeah. It's more about, um, again, like what Nat said at the beginning, it's a coming-of-age film. Um, you kind of see where the two characters are at and you see their development come to like a fulfillment um and you see elena kind of learn to grow up a little bit more um but she also and then you see like cooper um kind of like he does like he grows up he has his business he matures um i think elena's development was done a little bit better though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um where she kind of Absolutely. yeah she she kind of learns to make herself into something because at the beginning of the movie she she thought she was destined to be this photographer's assistant in a high school forever yeah she thought she thought she had no life because her family is very successful and throughout the movie you kind of see her gravitate towards um like these actors or these people of influence um who could get her to places but they're you kind of see that they're also just using her for their own clout um and then but like cooper's like the one the only kind of person that actually takes a liking to her yes um and she kind of sees that and she kind of also grows to be a little more independent too and then cooper you kind of see like his sort of he kind of becomes more of an individual he's um at the end of the movie like he starts his business and everything but then kind of at the ending scene you also see that his heart softens a little bit more because yeah, there's a super tense scene and then they come together in that magnificently shot Sheesh. scene. But again, like a that's work, kind a work of, of art. <laughs> it's a work of art. But again, that's kind of more what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would have felt more comfortable if the age gap was, wasn't 10 years. 
Um, you, yeah, same with me. I understood it, that it was the seventies, so that's why you kind of have to just like flip a switch in your mind, saying, "I mean, in the seventies, yeah, a lot of stuff happened in the seventies." <laughs> and I don't think this movie's trying to push an agenda or anything. No, no, not at all. It's just telling a story, um, and not in a way that's making you think differently about kind of our cultural setting. It's not like a social commentary like Joker was. No, 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 no. This um, is this is just a movie that knows it's a movie yeah and it's just trying to tell a story that is independent from everything else uh there is a little bit of political stuff like as like you know there's a uh um councilman running for mayor but other than that and the gas thing and the gas um the gas shortage in la in the 70s yeah Yeah. that was a big thing um other than that this is a very contained movie you can just watch this whenever yeah um yeah, Ashton, should we take a commercial break? Let's do it. Okay, guys, enjoy a word from our sponsor. Hey, guys, this episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is the best way to edit and record your podcast. Uh, we've been using, you know, Anchor for all of our episodes, and it's worked perfectly. But it's come to a point where we want to start, like, making premium content and to unlock that premium content that's going to cost you five dollars a month um as like a premium member of our podcast and it'll cost five dollars a month and ashton tell them how they can subscribe to our podcast yeah so if you wanted to support our channel um our podcast channel that is uh go to anchor.fm slash nerds in flannel again that is anchor.fm slash nerds in flannel we thank you for your support thank you guys enjoy the rest of the episode what's up guys welcome back (laughs) (laughs) hello 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 welcome back okay so ashton you know we were talking a little bit about the during the break and let's talk about bradley cooper's character yeah now ashton tell, tell me Tell me who he plays and his <laughs> significance to our lives. Yeah, so John John Peters is the uh, the character that is portrayed in this movie by Bradley Cooper, but in real life he is a film producer, um, still alive. Um, yeah, so some movies that you would you would know that like if you know of John Peters, some notable movies he's directed: um, A Star Is Born from nineteen seventy six. Not the like Lady Gaga one. Not the Lady Gaga one. Although no. it is good. Yeah, and it's it's actually kind of funny because Bradley Cooper was in the new one. Oh so yeah, there's a little bit of Cooper. that correlation there. Um, and then yeah, Wild Wild West, uh, Superman Returns Ooh. is a big one. Um, Batman, the Michael Keaton one, 1989, and then the sequel to that one, Batman Returns, Money Train. Um, that's another one I've heard a lot about. Clue. Yep. I'm just kind of going off of the ones that I recognize. Uh, Man of Steel is a more recent one. Um, the, the 2013 Zack Snyder one. Yeah. And he, he's been involved in some other Superman ones as well. Um, super Like Superman Returns and I think a couple older Superman projects too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's... And 101 Dalmatians. That's another big one. So he's... John Peters has like produced a lot of that stuff. Um, but I think in real life uh yeah he w- they, they kind of tease him a little bit in this movie from what i've heard but they also kind of like tease him in a way that kind of meets perception of the perception of like people that know of him yeah uh, kind of this eccentric character 
Yeah. Yeah. He's very... Bradley Cooper plays him very energetic. Yeah. They dressed him like a uh, member of ABBA. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> it was fun. It was so fun to watch. Uh, Bradley Cooper just um, nailed that role. And... I don't have much to say about this character. Ashton, do you have anything else to say? He was a say? standout character. Yeah. Uh, one character I took up issue with, I don't actually recognize his name, um, he, but it was also kind of funny, um, but in a really bad way. It was that Japanese restaurant owner. <laughs> oh, no, that's John Michael Higgins. John Michael Higgins. <laughs> I think. John Michael Higgins. Um, if you guys don't know who John Michael Higgins is, he played Jerry Frick. He's like a, uh, uh, what's it called, a restaurateur. So he's trying to get ads for his restaurants and stuff. Um John Michael Higgins, he's been in the, oh, he played that guy in Pitch Perfect with the commentator, uh, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Him and Elizabeth Banks just like, dude, that's some funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, Saved by the Bell. Um, Big Girl 6, the TV series, he played uh, like a uh, Mini Max, like, and uh, Prison Guard. And yeah, I know. <laughs> dude, yeah. Man, it's so racist. He was, yeah. <laughs> he played a really racist character, but like in a funny way. Like, like, everything in this movie is very tasteful. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Again, like, he's funny because you hate him. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> that's that's kind of the humor there. Um, <laughs> that one scene where, uh, where Cooper just goes in and, like, greets this guy. Um, and he's just, like... And greets his wife, and he's just like, actually, I have a new wife now. That's not her. <laughs> it's like, dude, I... <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> hey, to be clear, there was no line crossed. Yeah. There was no line crossed. It was just really funny. It was just... You're not... It comes out of left field. You're not expecting a lot of that humor. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting character. Other than that, like, I think we said before, um, all the... Like, co-leads had a really good chemistry going on and yeah i I think they nailed it with the actors for this movie yeah well this is a perfect segue to ashton who is your favorite performance of licorice pizza (laughs) bradley cooper bradley cooper 100 percent. the charisma he brings he like he steals the show and he only has like 10 minutes of screen time yeah it's it's very true yeah it's really this is this is a fact (laughs) yeah um for me it would be have to be Alana Haim, who played Alana. Yeah. Uh, she, dude, she was just so good. For a first-time actress, like, she nailed it. 100%. Like, I think she's going to go on to be, do very big things. Um, similar to Florence Pugh and Sayori uh, Ronan um, from Brooklyn, when she was in Brooklyn. Um, man, I can, I can... It's hard to pronounce, like, British names. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she was... It was a very um, grounded performance. It felt really real. And, like, the way she acted with everyone else, she seemed to have, like, chemistry with everyone else. And I know yeah. that's kind of, like, also a really good thing about the whole cast. But she was nailing every line. And, like, the vulnerability she brought. And, you know, she's she's actually a really good crier. Yeah. If, um, underrated thing in Hollywood. Um, a good crier. Yes. Uh, Ashley, let's talk about one more thing. Sure. Uh, before we wrap it up, because, you know, shorter podcast today. I want to talk about the soundtrack. Now, for those who don't know 70s music, let me, let, let me take you through a journey. <laughs> I'm old in, 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 in heart. Spirit. In spirit. In spirit. So I love old music. And naturally, you would think, you know, old would be like 
Nat loves 90s music. No, man. I listen to, like, 50s music. <laughs> I listen to really old stuff. And when I was listening to the soundtrack for this, like, last night and this morning, I, I like, some of the music in this is just awesome. Especially, like, the wor- when you listen to the words and the scenes happening, it just brings that, like, another layer of depth to the film. Yeah. It's, I would call this a film, not a movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we have David Bowie, uh, who um, who did Life on Mars. The, it, that song's in the trailer. Um, it's all, it's also in the movie as well. But I think that's the biggest song from there. We have song from, um, what's it called? Uh, Sonny and Cher, iconic. The Doors, Chuck Berry, Steve Miller Band, hmm. <laughs> Bing Crosby. Oh my. Yeah. So these are some big names here. Uh, yeah. They also wrote a... Actually, I think Johnny... So, it's Johnny Greenwood. Let's see here. A uh, quick thing. Uh, so, Johnny Johnny Greenwood, he is a, um, you know, musician. And he's written for a bunch of movies that came out this year. Uh, he wrote an original song called Licorice Pizza. Well, obviously, for the movie. <laughs> um, and it's really good. Uh, listen to it. It's, it's, it's a ballad. But I think if you listen to the words, it makes sense for... In the context of the movie, we also have Gordon Lightfoot... And that's all I know. Oh, and Mason Williams. If you know Mason Williams. Yeah. Seals and Croft. Um, I think they did Summer Breeze. Did they do Summer Breeze? Ashley, do you know that song? Uh, no, I don't. Summer Breeze! I was right! Hey, you that's know, their top popular song Summer on Spotify. Summer Breeze makes me feel... No, I'm not going to try to sing it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Ashley, what do you think of the soundtrack? Yeah. Um, yeah, again, like, the sound design, the audio design, and, like, just the music choices, it only adds to the experience um of the whole movie um i don't think like the audio a gripe i have i mean this is a gripe more to do with some of james gunn's recent movies with him adding in old music sometimes it can take away from the scene yeah or the music steals the show and that's what you're, you're you remember from that scene or from that movie um which is fine, but in this movie, it complements each other. It's, it's done, all in the background. It's done tastefully. It's in yeah. the background. You hear it, and when you think about that scene, you're also thinking about the music, and again, like the camera work, and the actors on screen for that scene. Absolutely. Um, and instead of it just being one of, like you're thinking of it as an all-encompassing thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ashton, anything else before we wrap it up? um yeah go go see this movie this is uh the poster for it's really dope too yeah it's it's very oh man I'm it's very vintage it's it kind of i don't know what it reminds me of oh kind of like the 70s show i guess that would make sense since it's based in the 70s uh yeah yeah all right guys thank you for listening today uh we have an episode coming out tomorrow i won't tell you what it is surprise but it's, it's, it's a shorter episode just because we wanted to release something for the weekend yep uh, and then we have we are gonna potentially have a Valentine's Day special episode. <laughs> that one's gonna be good. Now, yeah, now th- there's a reason why this is so important to us. It's because we're gonna be collabing with another podcast from from the ladies at Vibes podcast. Now, yeah, so yeah, we we all go to the same school. They start a podcast. We start a podcast. I'm like, hey, want to collab? <laughs> um, they're they're more of like a current events slash like i want to say just talk about random things to a podcast we're basically just the nerds <laughs> uh we'll be talking about boys and girls 
and how boys and girls act around each other. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we did say this podcast is about girls as well. Yeah. If you know, if you read the bio, if you read the bio. <laughs> and yeah, and next week I don't know what we'll have out next week. Um. Yeah, we we'll, will. We'll, we'll figure, figure that out. out. It's not. It's not hard to come up with ideas. No, we rec- <laughs> we we record three episodes in one day, one time. Yeah. True. Uh, but next next weekend we'll have probably a podcast coming out about our experience at Fan Expo this year. Yes. Very excited for Fan Expo. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. One hundred percent. Because we we missed it last year because obviously COVID, but they're opening up to a limited amount of people. And I'm just really excited to go. We're going to get a picture with the one and only Kevin Smith. Yes. If you don't know who that is, it's Jane from Jane Silent Bob from the comic book men. Right? Comic book men? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds right. And also, he's just an actor. He's a big nerd like us. But like, he's the king of the nerds. <laughs> and he also, especially like... We're the serfs. He's huge here in like kind of like the British Columbia Lower Mainland area. Yeah. Because he also kind of helped push for... Um, like a, a movie theater saving movement um, a couple of years back. Yeah. There's this big theater here called the Rio mm-hmm. and they were going to get shut down. So he really like put out his public support for that theater. And yeah. So for a lot of people here, he's also huge because he helped save a theater that everyone loves. Yeah, I've been to that theater. That yeah. That is an institution. You cannot remove that. Yeah. Anything else, Ashton? Um, I, I think I'm good. All right, guys. Until next time, I'm Nat. And I'm Ashton. And we, we are, are the Nerds, Nerds in Flannel. flannel. Peace. See you later.